The Gamecocks went into Athens, Georgia, and faced the number two nationally ranked Georgia Bulldogs and returned to Columbia with a 40-13 to loss. Despite the lopsided scoreboard, Carolina did some good things on both offense and defense um, and the special teams, but tonight is about what is going wrong for the Carolina Gamecocks. Good evening and welcome into another episode of the Pascal Gamecock Podcast. I'm Chris Pascal and I appreciate you tuning in. Wherever you're tuning in, whether it be Anderson, Goose Creek, King Street, wherever you are, I appreciate you tuning in. All right, the Georgia game, a lopsided loss, like I said, and at times it was ugly. That Georgia team is one of the best teams in the country, and multiple people texted me on Saturday and said, Georgia has to be the best team in the nation. For a while, I was holding out on Alabama, but after seeing kind of the recency bias, I guess, after seeing Georgia up close and personal, watching them play, um, Georgia has to be the best team in the nation, especially seeing Alabama kind of give up that early lead to Florida. I think this Georgia, especially this Georgia defense, is just is just incredible. What's scary is that this Georgia team doesn't have George Pickens, doesn't have Darnell Washington, doesn't have Eric Gilbert. So many of their offensive weapons are injured or not playing. So yes, this Georgia team is really dang good, but it could get even better as the season progresses. James Carville, who is that? Carville was the campaign strategist for Bill Clinton in 1992 and for years now has been on political shows. He's been political advisor, advising campaigns. Um, believe he still teaches classes at LSU. Look him up if you want to. But why in the world am I bringing up James Carville? Back in 1992, when he was running Clinton's campaign, whenever a campaign worker or a reporter or whoever it was, when someone would ask him, what's this campaign's message? What is Bill Clinton all about? He would respond, it's the economy, stupid. Definitely corny, definitely in your face, but it got the message across. What does Bill Clinton plan on addressing? The economy, stupid. What does Gamecock football need to address now that three games have been played in the 2021 season? It's the offensive line, stupid. Let's set the stage for this. First of all, Georgia is going to push a lot of offensive lines around. Clemson ran for two yards against the Bulldogs, which you know Clemson's offense looks to be in a little bit of trouble, or in, in some ways a lot of trouble, um, after struggling to get by Georgia Tech. But there's still a lot of talent on the, on the uh, Tiger roster. And Georgia stymied that rushing attack all night, finished with two rushing yards. Shane Beamer after the game, lost his mind on a reporter when he was asked about how Georgia's defense was able to stop Carolina's rushing attack. It's because the Georgia Bulldogs have a lot of talent, and they recruit the front seven, that defensive line linebacker, that they recruit the front seven better than anyone else in the country. And they're deep, and they're talented, and they have veterans, and they have talented freshmen. I mean, that is a stout rush defense. This podcast isn't trying to make it sound like Carolina should have rushed for 250 yards against Georgia. It's not even saying Carolina should have rushed for 150 yards against Georgia. Instead, it's about how this offensive line has played the past few weeks, especially early in games. I went back and watched the first half of the Georgia game. This is what the ki- the ki- is the killer. 
went back and watched the first half of, of the George game. And I also went back and watched the first half of the ECU game, both games. There are false starts, whiffs, horrific pass protection. Blitzes just, just getting by getting in the backfield. But here's what is really killing this offensive line. It's a lack of confidence. And I can say that because I know what lack of confidence looks like as an offensive lineman. Obviously, I did not play SEC football. I did not play college football. But I did play offensive tackle in high school. And I can tell you from from watching high school film, and we had a great over-the-top vantage point for our All-22 film. Like when you watch some of these high school tapes and it looks like it was filmed on a flip phone from the sideline, that wasn't what we had. We had from the press box, nice equipment, people knew how to use it. And that's really good when you play well. It's not so good when you don't play well. And there were times, especially in run blocking, where I was confident and I knew what I was doing and I looked the part and I played fast. Well, I, you know, I played fast for me. But you get my point. When I wasn't confident, I looked just like we did Saturday night and against East Carolina and even against Eastern Illinois. Because let me tell you something, Dylan Wonham, Javon Gwynn, whole host of those guys are talented. This isn't a talent issue. It also isn't a fear issue. You can tell, you know, some people are like, oh man, these guys, these guys weren't ready to go up against Georgia. They they weren't man enough to play Georgia. No. These guys aren't afraid. It's confidence, not talent. Javon Gwynn, if he puts it all together, could block with the best of them. But when you watch him out there, get out over his feet and completely whiff on a second down and nine with 11 minutes left in the second quarter, you scratch your head. When Jazz climbs to the second level on a run play and just absolutely whiffs on a linebacker, you scratch your head. When on second down and one, you see three, three, three offensive linemen downfield blocking air, touching nobody, looking around and, and and nobody's nobody's there to be blocked. When on second down and one, you see three offensive linemen downfield blocking air and Georgia defenders are in the backfield, you scratch your head. This is not a talent issue. Yes, sometimes when you play Georgia, as Coach Beamer alluded to, you get whipped on the line of scrimmage. And plenty of that happened. But for three weeks now, you see guys making mistakes. You see guys making mental errors that guys of their caliber should not be making. And how do I know that? Because by the end of the game, things are getting better, not worse. You usually make mistakes in the fourth quarter when you're tired. You usually jump off sides or have a false start penalty when you're tired. You usually get out over your feet in pass protection and let the defensive lineman throw you to the ground or, get, or rip you to the ground because you're tired. Usually make mistakes in terms of what your assignment or assignments are and run blocking in the fourth quarter because you're tired. Instead, Carolina's offensive line is playing its best football in the fourth quarter. Now, part of that has to be the defense is tired, but I think it's mostly because by the fourth quarter, the offensive line has worked out the kinks and gained confidence. They know what they're doing. Oh, on this play, that's right. I'm supposed to climb to the second level and, and get the will linebacker. 
oh yeah, on this play, I'm supposed to take two steps and and cut out the defense van, whatever the case may be. Or, oh yeah, that's right. This guy over here is an SEC defensive lineman, but I'm also an SEC offensive lineman. And I'm not going to make the mental mistake. I'm not going to get out over my feet. I'm not going to do everything that Coach Atkins told me not to do. It's like watching practice for the first three quarters and then the game in the last quarter. This isn't a Georgia issue, like I said. This is a reoccurring theme three weeks in. And again, I can't say it enough. It isn't a talent issue. That's why I'm still hopeful. That's why I'm doing this. If this was a talent issue, I'd be like, oh, guys, guess what? Georgia's and East Carolina and Eastern Illinois have showed us something that that we just can't correct. It's, we have horrible offensive linemen. They can't play. They can't block. They're a sorry group. They, they don't have any talent. They're going to get whipped the rest of the season. I don't think that. But the communication amongst the offensive line, especially in pass protection, the amount of times you see three dudes blocking one guy and two guys are in the backfield, linebackers unaccounted for, defensive tackles unaccounted for. It's about communication. It's about confidence. It's about not knowing what you're doing. If you watch a lot of the um, a lot of the pressure that both East Carolina and Georgia put on on Carolina. Yes, sometimes it's mental errors in an individual capacity. Like I said, Joe Von Gwynn going out over his feet, acting like he was going to pile drive a defensive tackle into the ground, and the guy just rips right by him. But most of the time, it's lack of confidence or mental errors amongst the group of them. Guys blocking air. Guys not touching anybody because they went the wrong way. Blitz is leaking through or streaking through into the backfield. Nobody touching them. Running backs not communicating with the offensive line. Center not communicating with the tackles. Quarterback not communicating with the offensive line. And guess what? As frustrating as that is, we're in the third game of the Shane Beamer era. These are things that can be fixed. But guess what? Kentucky is a good football team, despite that scare against Chattanooga last week. Carolina's offensive line needs to get back to the basics and play simpler and and most importantly, play more confident. Now, I'm not the offensive line coach. And Coach Atkins is, is considered one of the best at his job. I don't know what the answer is or how you coach them up better. I have my guess, which is Coach Atkins' numbering system and terminology is a lot different than Coach Wolford's. But I'm not in practice. I'm not in the meetings. I truly don't know what the solution is. But I do know that the hang-up for this offense, like I said earlier, it's the offensive line, stupid. So how do those things get addressed heading into the Kentucky game? That is the crucial, crucial, if we're, if we're going to break down what needs to happen for Carolina to have a chance to beat Kentucky. The passing game looked pretty good against Georgia. I think the backs, despite not producing at the level that they are accustomed to producing, most of that, again, comes back to the offensive line. Luke Doty, a lot of people were getting on. Shane Beamer, oh man, can't believe. Luke Doty plays like that. I can't believe we didn't play him. What do you mean he was injured? What do you mean he wasn't 100%? Why are we playing Zeb Noland? Well, listen. Think about the amount of times you saw Doty scramble out and he looked like he was maybe marginally faster than Zeb Noland. 
And that dude last year, everybody was like, oh man, he's one of the fastest guys on the team. He did not look like one of the fastest guys on the team in Athens. I mean, he wasn't running as slow as Zeb. God bless him. But that was not a healthy Luke Doty. That was not a guy who was confident running on his feet or that fractured foot or whatever he has. So, yes, Luke Doty looked good in the passing game. Not upset that he hasn't been playing because, again, I don't think he looked 100%. But the passing game looked pretty good. Running backs are talented. Defensive line, yes, there were some 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 big gashes. But listen, when you play a team like Georgia, when you play a team like Florida, heck, when you play a team like Kentucky, there's going to be plays where like, oh, man, that was a big gain by by the Wildcats there. That was a big gain by the Gators there. Obviously, that, that was a big gain by the by the Bulldogs there. But there were as many times as there was a big play in the rushing game for the for the Bulldogs, there was also a time where the, a Gamecock was in the backfield. We're taking him down after a two or three yard gain. Passing game, obviously, you have the two interceptions by Jalen Foster. He's had a great start of the season. I think I saw somewhere where he was number two in the in the nation in, in interceptions. But obviously the passing game also struggled at times against Georgia, giving up a, a few long touchdown plays. But like I said, it's week three. It's the third game in the Shane Beamer era. The biggest concern and the thing that needs to be addressed if this team has any shot at beating the Kentuckys, even at beating the Tennessees, obviously Florida, Auburn, Clemson, fill in the blank. This offensive line needs to gain more confidence and it needs to figure out what's going on here. Again, I can't say this uh, enough times. This is not a talent issue. A lot of these guys, Sedarius Hutcherson is gone and he was a hell of a player and I don't know if he's in the NFL I think I think he might have gotten either drafted or signed somewhere he was a great player and a great leader for this offensive line but he's the only one that left and this offensive line produced a thousand yard leading SEC rusher last year this is not a talent issue this is something is going on either like I said maybe the terminology maybe the numbering system Maybe they used to count outside in, now they're counting inside out, whatever the case may be. This is a confidence issue for Carolina, and they got to figure that out quickly, and they got to gain confidence. And if it's not even confidence, it's competence. You got to learn what either the the numbering system is. Got to be confident and competent in the plays that are being called and your blocking assignments because blocking air, letting guys through that can't, cannot, cannot be what this offensive line is moving forward. And I'm confident it's not, but that's the big issue with this Carolina football team right now. It's the, it's the offensive line, stupid. It's the offensive line. All right. Trying to keep these, these podcasts a little shorter. So, um, you know, that that's that's basically what I have for you this week. And I appreciate you guys tuning into another episode of the Pascal Game podcast. Please like and share with friends and, and, and family. Um also tomorrow I got uh the weekly column I write for the Gamecock Central called The Verdict, where I go kind of more into the Georgia game and start to highlight what I'm looking for in the Kentucky game. So um 
you know, I enjoy interacting with all you guys and, and whatever comments you have or whatever thoughts you have, please throw them out there, comment on Twitter, share on Twitter, Facebook, whatever you may be on, um, reach out to me. Just, I'd love to hear your thoughts. So, um, appreciate you guys tuning into this episode of the Pascal Gamecock podcast. And as always forever to thee.